I want to start a new series called Searching. And nothing fancy about it, but we were, I don't want to be the pastor that answers questions that no one's asking. So as a staff, we, towards the end of the last year, we started thinking, okay, what are the questions that people are asking? So then we looked, what are the top Google searches? And some of the Google searches were, you know, the top ones were restaurants near me. Hello. (laughs) Chiropractors near me. Hello. Right? But then some of them were really interesting. And so in this series, I want to go through some of the questions that people are Googling and asking. And you know what one of the top questions were? And I was astonished by this. And I almost thought it was fake. And I almost didn't want to believe it. One of the top questions that people Googled last year, 2022, is who am I? Who am I? You're asking a computer, who are you? I get irritated, you know, when you try to log into something and it says, are you a human? Bro, are you a human? Back off. Right? Like, come on. Yes, I am a human. But many people are asking, who am I? My wife and I were just talking a couple weeks ago, talking about our different phases in life, you know. I don't know about you, but I've had different phases in my life, right? When I was young in my teens, I had my hip-hop phase. That's right. Big baggy jeans. Remember starter jackets? I had a big hoodie, big starter jacket, right? I had the hip-hop phase, and then I went to a private school, and then I got my preppy phase on. Hello. Started shopping at the Gap. And I'm going to date myself. You ready? I ordered from kids. Listen to me. I'm going to take you to history right now. I ordered from a catalog. I ordered from a J. Crew catalog. That's, how, that's the epitome of preppy. Right? So I had my preppy phase when I went to college and I got into like indie rock and pop and punk music. And so I got into my punk phase, right? I had the wallet with the chain on it. Right? It's because I went to Christian college, I, I couldn't paint my nails black, but I would have if I could have. We all have our funky phases, right? When you look back at pictures, ladies, you know, in the 80s, some of y'all had this. You were just waving to the whole world. I don't know what you were doing. And you had stock in Aquanet. Anybody remember this? Y'all had your phases. And as my wife were talking, I was like, man, we didn't know who we were in our 20s. And then we even look back in our 30s and we're like, man, I barely knew who I was in my 30s. And now some of us in our 40s and 50s, we're still saying, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. There's this question of identity. Who, who am I? And I think before we go anywhere this year, I think we need to lay down the foundation of your identity. So John chapter 4, starting at verse 1, and this is right after, this is talking about Jesus, and this is right after Jesus was baptized, okay? So Jesus was a, 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 a grown man. He was an adult, and he got baptized. This is a beautiful scene in Scripture where God the Father cracks open the sky and says, this is my son whom I am well pleased so he goes from this moment that all of us would have written in our journal, would have, would have put a circle on the calendar. This was a great day. And immediately after, John chapter 4, this is what the Bible says. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. Anytime I read that, I always sing, hold me in the river Jordan. No Michael Jackson fans? Okay. <laughs> returned from the Jordan <laughs> and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Okay, watch this. He's baptized, receives the Holy Spirit, and once he receives the Holy Spirit, he is then tested. 
This is not a part of the message, but I want to challenge us to just remember this point. In this year, you will be tested, but we have a good God. And a test allowed by a good God is a great opportunity. Can I say that again? A test that's allowed by a great God is a great opportunity. Okay? So when you think, God, why are you testing me? It's just a great opportunity. So here, this, this amazing moment follows up with the Holy Spirit leading him into the wilderness to be tempted. And he says, and he ate nothing during those days for 40 days. And this is the, big, the, the biggest duh verse in the Bible. And it says, and when, they were, when, he, when there he ended, he was hungry. Hungry. So the devil said to him, if, if you are the son of God. Y'all following me? If you are the son of God. What was he doing? He was questioning his identity. If you are the son of God, then command these stones to become the bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. I wish we could, though. I wish we could, though. But man shall not live on bread alone. But every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him. Let me stop real quick. When the enemy does come and tempt you, he'll promise you things that he doesn't have. He'll promise you things. And even better yet, he'll promise you things that you already have. You just don't recognize it. He told Jesus, I will give you authority. Hello, Jesus is the name above all names. You're promising something that I already have. Come on, some of you are looking for love in all the wrong places. You already have it. Don't fall into the temptation of the enemy offering you something that God's already given you. I'm preaching better than you're listening. Then Jesus responded, he says this, You shall worship the Lord your God and only he shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the, the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command the angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, and it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to death. Here's the funny part. The enemy right here now uses scripture to tempt Jesus. Hello. Now he uses scripture. He's using the Bible to tempt Jesus. You could be a good scholar and still be a bad Christian. So here, Jesus responds accordingly. No, it is, it, he, knows, he knows the Bible. It is written, you shall not put your Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until the opportune time. Can I tell you that your enemy has no new tricks? When we started in the Garden of Eden, what did he do? He had Adam and Eve confused on their identity. He says, if you eat this fruit, you will become like God. When they were already created in the image of God, he had them question their identity. So here we see in the garden, we messed up on our identity and then we made a mistake. Here Jesus in the wilderness, he's showing us what will happen if we know who we are. That's what happens. So I'm reading this book titled Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And in this book, he spends a lot of time, the author's name Pete, Pete Scazzaro, used to be a pastor in New York City. And he, he's, he's diving in a lot about your false self. 
And I think it's important. I, I like the fact that he started there. And I want to start there this morning too. I want to talk about your false self first. Because before we understand who we are, I think we have to understand the bad definitions that we've assigned ourselves to. So number one, you are not what you do. You are not what you do. This is what the enemy said to him. He said this, if you are the son of God, command these stones to turn to bread. If you are who you say you are, you got to do it. You got to do it. But the lesson that we need to learn today is that I am not what I do. I am who God says I am. So there are moments where I tell people I am a preacher. No, that's what I do. Hello? And there are moments, listen to me, there are moments where when you find your identity in what you do and not in who you are, that will be tested. Let me remind you of this. When you are born, your identity is received. Your identity is never achieved. I think we forget about that, and as life goes on, we start trying to achieve a new identity. We start trying to, trying to see, okay, maybe I'm this person, maybe I'm that person. But when you are born, your identity is received. Your identity is not achieved. And, and, and I want us to recognize that if we have this issue where our identity is attached to what we do, it comes up in certain symptoms. Here's, here's one symptom. If you don't think this is you, let me prove it to you. If your identity is wrapped into what you do, you hate correction. Thank you for those brave souls. Can't, I, I'm preaching to myself. Can't stand correction. And I have to understand, I have to untether what I do with who I am. Because when somebody corrects me, they're not just correcting my behavior, they're rejecting my identity. So you know that if, 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 if this is your false self, if you are what you do, you're missing out on it. Isn't this why some of us, we have an identity crisis when the kids leave the house, right? We have an identity crisis when, when, when something shifts in our lives. And we, 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 because why? We've identified the fact that we are what we do. And so when somebody corrects that, oh, when somebody challenges that, you're not just correcting my behavior. You're rejecting who I am. Hello? You're rejecting who I am. Another symptom, I believe, is that when you lose your position, when you lose your position in life, you feel like your purpose and your passions are gone. Right? You feel like your purpose and passion is gone. Let me, like, use an example here. Some people on our worship team, and I love our worship team. I'm not picking on them. I'm just giving them an example. Some people on our worship team say, we're passionate about worship. Okay, if you're passionate about worship, then what's going to happen in those seasons where you can't sing and you can't play? Does your passion and your purpose go away when you don't have the position anymore? God taught me this lesson. There was a year where I went down and I tried to help my buddy transition a Mennonite church in Washington, D.C. Some of you would start laughing if you understood what a Mennonite church is, right? So it's a couple steps above Amish. Look at your boy. Okay? Didn't quite fit there, okay? So I went down to help, gave it a good year, didn't work out, came back, came back to the same church that I used to be a pastor with, but then I came back just as a regular member. And it was so awkward. It was the worst awkward season of my life where people come up, hey, pastor, I mean, Mike. I didn't have the title anymore. I didn't have the position. 
But God remind me in that moment, no, even though you don't have the position, you still have the purpose. You still have the passion. I think the true test of your passion and your purpose is when you don't have the position. Because, folks, you are not what you do. Y'all getting this? And if failure is final to all of us achievers in the room, then your identity is attached to what you do. So you're not what you do. Number two, you are not what you have. The enemy said, I'll give all this to you. I'll give all this to you. And then, and then you'll be this. You are not what you have. I remember in my early ministry, I used to rub elbows with guys who had bigger churches. And, and if I'm honest, I used to be jealous of them because, like, usually they came from, like, a legacy of ministers. You know, their, their dad was a pastor. Their dad's dad was a pastor. And I used to hate on them so hard. In my head, I used to be like, yeah, I'd be there too if daddy paid my bills. Silver spoon coon. Get out of here. I used to hate on them, man. Until one day, somebody, a friend challenged me. And he said this, and I'll never forget this. He says, jealousy is a symptom of an unhealthy identity. Jealousy is a symptom of an unhealthy identity. You are not what you have, and you are not what you don't have. So you're not what you do. You're not what you have. And number three, you are not what other people think of you. You are not what other people think of you. The enemy came in and he challenged Jesus. If the angels believe who you are, if you throw yourself off the cliff, since they know who you are, they're going to carry you. And Jesus, thank God, did not need the validation of even the angels. Old school church people, you would call it this way. You would call it some of the things that, that we hold on to our lives in regards to our identity. You would call it a word curse. Maybe growing up, they called you the ugly duckling or the dummy or the idiot or the lazy or the whatever. And you have these words and these labels that have been attached to your life. And you, you, you think that they're your actual identity. And you, you've learned to just lean into them. This is who I am. But you are not what other people think of you. You are not, you need to break free from those word labels because that is not really who you are. And you got to be careful, church. Can I just challenge you as a church, man? Sometimes we get our identity by rejection. And also sometimes we get our identity from acceptance. I remember I got my identity for a little bit as I was 13, just a short stint where I started selling drugs because that group, that community accepted me. And then I took on that identity because of just acceptance. So church, beware of who you reject. Because you might be robbing them from being accepted in the house of God where their true identity lives. And you know this is a symptom of yours. If your identity is attached to, to what other people think, here's another symptom that I'll give you. When disapproval or disappointment is devastating to you, you just, you just need to be liked. As a pastor, like, I, I want to be liked. I want you to like me, love me, please. But here's what I had to learn. I had to learn differentiation without disconnection. Because there are some times I'm going to make some decisions that some of you are going to disapprove. You know who you is. Some of you are like, I disapprove of your grammar. I don't care. <laughs> you know who you are, right? 
And at times, to be a leader, we can't lead from consensus. We must lead from conviction. And so my identity cannot be wrapped up in what you think. Trust me, I love you. I care for you. We sacrifice. But at the end of the day, I don't know the number one way to success, but the number one way to failure is trying to please everybody. And so you cannot, you cannot have your identity attached into what people think of you. So I'm not what I do. You're not what you do. You're not what you have. And you're not what others think. So again, the garden showed us how we fall short when we don't know who we are. And the wilderness shows us how we rise to the occasion when we do know who we are. So let me tell you real quick before I let you go. That was your false self. Let me tell you your true self. Number one, your true self is the new you is the real you. The new you is the real you. Come on, I'm not going to show you because this is not that kind of church. But on my chest, I have a tattoo that says the old is gone. Every morning when I brush my teeth, yes, I use two Fs. When I brush my teeth, I look at that. The old is gone. It's a reminder that the new me is the real me. And some of you, you're, you're in this New Year resolution thing, and we all do it every single year, and you're trying to change habits. And I'm here to tell you that don't start with the who. I mean, don't start with the do. Start with the who. Your identity should dictate how you do and how you, how you move through life. James Clear, and there's a book called The Atomic Habits, he said this. Listen to this. He says, when your behavior and your identity is fully aligned, you are no longer pursuing behavior change. You are simply acting like the person you're already believing yourself to be. So I'm not just doing a diet. I'm a healthy person. Hello? I'm not, I'm not taking my wife on on a date. I am a good husband. It's not what I do. It flows from your identity. You are the new you. And so when you turn your life over to Jesus, and you know, I know it's hard getting rid of those bad habits, and I know it's hard getting rid of those past sins, and I know it's, trust me, I know it's hard. But what makes it easier is when you take on your new identity in Jesus. Because here, we got to think who before we think do. The new you is the real you. But I know some people, they're going to yeah, Pastor Mike, but I remember when you, yeah, I don't know that person anymore. The old is gone, the new is here. You could talk about that person, but that person's dead. 2023, Mike, that's right now. The new me is the real me. Number two, the version of you that God talks about is the real you. The version of you that God talks about is the real you. I got issues. Some are like, duh. I do, I have issues. In my head, I have like these functional Bible critics in my head that I have to fight, right? Because that's just the nature of the beast. And, and, and I promised myself this year, like, I'm not going to talk to them anymore, right? But can I do it one more time? Because <laughs> I'm even like, Pastor Mike, the Bible is not about us. It's about Jesus. And I agree with you. I do. I agree with you. And you look at the Bible. Listen, as you're reading the Bible, and I hope you are reading the Bible, and I hope you're diving into it, the Bible is all about Jesus. But he says a lot about you. In fact, he didn't just die just to die. He died for you. So as you lean in to understand who Jesus is, you'll hear him talking about you. Y'all getting this? You'll hear him talking about you. And when you don't know who God is, you'll never know who you are. When you don't know who God is, you'll never know who you are. 
So I have to position myself to start listening to God more. I have to start positioning myself to listen. What does he have to say about me? And the only way to do that, his presence accompanies his word and his presence accompanies his community. And so I need to create the space to listen to him. I need to create the space. So, so I'm challenging you right now. Like, you, go on the Bible app. It's not that hard. Go on the Bible app. Get a reading plan. Read daily. Understand who God is, and then you will understand who you are. Because I am who he says I am. I am who he says I am. And this should be revolutionary because I used to think, I used to think like being that happy, passionate, jubilant Christian was just fake. Anybody out there with me? I remember going to some other church, like, glory to God, glory to, and everyone was just like, I don't know why they blinked a lot. They just watched too much Joel Olstein. I don't know what it was. It just, and it's just smiling all the time, like, gosh, they're so fake. <laughs> so fake. And I, just can't, I couldn't stand it. Until the Holy Spirit convicted me saying this, being positive, being optimistic, isn't being fake, it's being obedient. Because when you actually start reading scripture and it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving already in your heart. Enter into his courts with praise. To make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Clap and shout all ye nations. It's not just about being Pentecostal or passionate or Puerto Rican or bald or whatever. It's about being obedient. So I'm not being fake. I'm being obedient. I'm being the identity that God says I am. Shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. But yet we walk in and, hey, what's up? How you doing? When is worship over? Oh, he's going to go long because the Eagles game until four something, right? Dang. Come on. That is not who you are. You are who God says you are. That is the real you. And Here's the last thing, and I hope this is, this is the basement. Everybody say basement. This is the basement of your identity, okay? You are a child of God and a source of God's pleasure. You're a child of God and you're a source of God's pleasure. How do I know this? Scripture, Pastor Mike. We just read it. John chapter 3. Jesus was baptized, and the father looked at the son, which, by the way, this could be very healing for anyone with a mother wound or a father wound, to know that your heavenly parent is looking down at you and saying that very phrase, you are my child whom I am well pleased. Jesus heard this before any miracle, before functioning in full-time ministry. That's what he heard. He did it, he heard that before he did anything, before he had anything, before anyone formulated an opinion of who he was. That's what he heard from the Father. So the Bible also says, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. First John says, as he is, meaning Jesus, so am I in this world. So I can with confidence say that I am a child of God and I am a source of God's pleasure. With confidence. And I want you with confidence as you discover who you are this year. That is the basement. Isn't that amazing? Stop. Can we stop and just praise God for that? That is the basement. 
That is the basement of your identity. You don't have to achieve it at all. That is the basement of your identity. You are a child of God, and you're a source of God's pleasure. It only goes up from there. I'll be satisfied just living in the basement. You're a child of God, and you're a source of God's pleasure. You're not those word curses. You're you're not fat. You're not ugly. You're not stupid. You're not the class clown. You're not the angry person that everybody sees you. You, you're, you're, not, you're not the procrastinator. When people tell you you're never going to be good enough, you're not any of those things. You're a child of God, and you're a source of God's pleasure. It has to start there, folks. Because if not, everything else is meaningless. And you're going to be chasing something that you already have. You already have it. So I'm going to ask you to stand up, and this is how we're going to close today. Before we go into communion, I want to give people an opportunity. Start this year off right. This is our first time gathering together publicly. So I want every head bowed, every eyes closed. And I want to pray for people who need a brand new start. Maybe for some people in this room, you've You've jacked last year up so bad. Maybe for some of us, you realize you just hit a wall and you don't feel like you're going anywhere. I want to offer you a gift today. Like I said, your identity is received, it's not achieved. And the Bible says that we could be born again to receive this new identity, to be adopted into this holy family by simply this. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything but this alone. And that's believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, rose again on the third day to give us eternal victory over sin and death so that we could be reconciled to the Father. All you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus did that for you without doing anything, without fixing anything, without doing anything. And trust me, once you get the love of God, you're going to want to live a better life. But right now, you don't have to do a thing but believe and put your faith in Jesus. And he will give you a new life. If that's you today, if that's you today, please, every head bowed, every eyes closed, keep this moment private. Can you just raise your hand so I can just pray specifically for you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep your hands up. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for every soul in this place that's surrendering their hearts to you, that are surrendering their lives to you, God. We believe that you lived this blameless life. You lived the life I couldn't live. You died the death I should have died so that I could be reconciled to you, so that I could hear from the Father that I'm a child of God and a source of his pleasure. We receive this gift, and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.